0: Welcome to the movie podcast. My name is Shabazz, and I am one of your hosts. Somewhere in the internet sphere, beside me, in some ways, I've got uh, Babyface McGee himself, Daniel. Daniel, how you doing? Okay,
1: okay. I had a feeling that would be me. I feel good. Um, I'm glad. I'd rather have Babyface because if I because I had a mustache for about six hours yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I would be terrified of the names that you would have come up with. So I preventively kind of. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Mario brother himself. I
0: had a couple couple out there.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, now we'll see. We'll see where my facial hair goes during this quarantine. Yeah.
0: Someone that shouldn't be listening to this podcast because he's way too young. That's Daniel right there. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, uh, that hideous laughter that you heard above him or uh, beside him or. Oh, gosh. left or right channel whatever channel you're listening from is the one and only Italy's national Anthony Anthony how you doing
2: I'm doing well you know some say my laugh is the laughter <laughs> the laughter of angels <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> even, <can't> even say <laughs> you it you
1: could you couldn't even get through
0: it I heard your laughter you you of okay.
2: angels yeah, I probably oh, did. Wow. Yeah. Started in uh in a cave somewhere.
0: <laughs> just just mm-hmm. someone was listening to the echo podcast. of your <laughs> laughter? Someone listened to our <laughs> podcast and then it was in a cave and a bunch of bats went crazy. And that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. I think that's that's how
1: it will play out in the movies. Of
0: course, of course. As and always, guys, that. you guys can catch a new episode of the movie podcast every Monday across all your favorite podcast services. And of course, in this time of self-quarantining ourselves and staying home please make sure to head over to this time with.com slash talk and tell us what are you doing? How have you kept sane? Um, has it been like a shining moment for you? What have you been doing in your house? Also, what are you watching? Let us know because um, we want to watch stuff too. And speaking, of- I think we're running out of things to watch, really, <laughs> to be honest. We, we really you. are. We've watched everything. We were, we're re-watching yeah. things now. But speaking of watching things, uh, recently, uh, my colleagues and I got a chance to watch Game Night. And we recorded a very delicious commentary to go along with it. So if you're sitting at home, you're browsing through Netflix, you come across Game Night, and you're like, this movie looks stupid. Give it the chance that it deserves because I promise you. It's a really good movie, and you get to hear us along with you. Yeah, so you basically,
1: if you see it and you say, yeah, this movie's stupid, like Shay said, if you want to make it more stupid, definitely listen with our commentary. Press play (laughs) with it. We'll give you instructions within the the episode, and then you'll have a good time watching the movie. It's like we're there with you. What better chance than that? I mean, this is like we're giving away a prize for free. Right.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: know, uh, you we get could to, to hear
0: our up.
2: voices as a commentary track with the original track.
0: Which have you ever have absolutely. you ever dreamt about watching a movie with Anthony? This is your chance. Anthony, this is your chance. Did you chance not do now. the commentary at uh, shirtless as well? No. No. we no, okay. did Well, you disappointed I did it pantsless. Of of oh, okay. You went. Oh, okay. <laughs> we just
2: just <laughs> That's on our Patreon.
1: It's our Patreon after yeah, our- pa- Patreon exclusive. Uh- yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. even though it's just the audio i don't know i how. mean it, just the audio it doesn't
1: make a difference
0: his but, voice is a but little just higher. knowing his voice is a little higher well yeah. I,
2: I describe what i'm doing right oh that's a really good ah, scene yes, by yes, the right. way i don't have my pants on
0: i still <laughs> every don't every have my minutes, pants on <laughs> every time just remind <laughs> us hey guys by the way still no pants <laughs> That's literally
1: the only difference in the Patreon episode. It's just every ten seconds I int- I interjects. <laughs> Anthony stills not wearing pants.
0: Let's not let's not spoil it for everybody because we don't want to give it. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Give that away, sorry. Right? Uh, But uh, let's, let's jump into <laughs> our mailbag here. So I'm going to try my best to do our mailbag sound here. <laughs> Was that okay. That's really good. Thank you. I tried. It has so, a little bit
2: of like yeah. moisture to it.
0: Yes, I, I went for the moist surprise there. Uh, people don't like that word, moisture, by the Please way. Please don't, don't say mo- that
1: ever again. Moist? I don't like that phrase, moist surprise. <laughs> moist
0: surprise? <laughs> moist surprise? That's my no. online gaming name.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, that's my name on
0: PlayStation. <laughs> <So> we've, got, <laughs> we've got Nate here. Nate says, two shows to watch. Uh, I'm going to probably butcher this name that he's going to say, but it's uh, Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal. It has no dialogue, Samurai Jack-style animated series. It's eight episodes, violent, beautiful, incredible, and kidding. Oh, sorry. Kidding is the show. I thought he meant... (laughs) wait hold on yes kidding starring jim carrey as a mr rogers type character if you want a really good cry this show has so much heart and holds no punches when dealing with themes of broken relationships understanding your feelings and of course unstable aggression give this series a chance and you will be pleasantly surprised as you cry your eyeballs out also will i return to theaters after all this is over probably if i can sit six feet away from everybody but for real i really think it'll be a it'll take a proven vaccine for people to be comfortable in that situation again. And unfortunately we just don't know how long that'll be for now. I'm okay with my home releases uh, approach that approach, but there are some movies that I just need to see in IMAX like Top Gun and Tenet. Uh, I got to agree with Nate there. I got to see my IMAX movies, but if I get a chance to watch them at home first, I will hundred percent go watch them in theaters as well. Uh, And when he talks about, uh, kidding! Uh, that I've only seen a clip from that show that I think a lot of people have seen. It's it's that one shot that they do, uh, floating around the right. room. It's like a, it's like a, it's almost like a montage, I guess, in a way. That's kind of occurring.
1: Right, but they do it all in one they shot. All yeah. do it in one uh one. Kidding is a great show. Uh I watched the first three episodes of it and I when uh I there was like a free preview, I believe, of Showtime is the channel that's on. Now it's on Crave, I have no excuse to finish it, but I was really enjoying it. It is just a really dark show. Um and of course, Nate's answering our question of the week from last week, mm-hmm. if you'll return to theaters. So yeah, again, I think we're all kinda in the same boat that Nate is saying right here. I mean, it's gonna be weird once theaters open up again, because it's gonna be that thing of how close do we sit? How far do we sit? Will we ever really feel comfortable until a vaccine comes? So we really don't know. Um, but when it comes to those giant temple movies, of course you want to see them on the big screen, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Data. For sure.
2: Mm-hmm. We actually proposed the question to our uh, followers on Instagram and even on our personal handles. Um, would you go back to the theater when this is all set and done? And a lot of you actually have said, no, which is yeah. surprising. Maybe one or two said yes, but a lot of people said no. It seems like something that's going to take a, r- a really long time to kind of get back into the, we'll say, the rhythm of watching a film in theaters. Yeah,
0: definitely. yeah it's definitely going to take it some really time. It really is. Uh, also, our topic of the show this week is all about our favorite movie opening sequences. So, pretty much, what kind of sets the tone? What kind of gets this movie going that we we really love? So, uh, really excited to kind of get into that later on as well. Again, game night commentary is available. So, please go ahead to wherever you listen to our podcast, give that a download, and try watching it along with us. It'll if you're bored, stuck at home alone. Um, this is a good way to kind of not feel so scared or maybe it is scary. I don't know because you won't be seeing our faces, but <laughs> we will be releasing uh lifelike dolls of us to so that. You can print and download and just kind of make out of paper mache so that you can watch. A oh, wonderful. Us. wonderful, Yeah. But we also have another commentary <laughs> coming. I mean, while, while we're at home watching movies, why not have more of these commentaries coming out and we love watching movies together. So uh, the next one coming out is Anthony, do you want to tell everybody what the what next one is?
2: So our next commentary, it's gonna be on Sicario. Ooh. So this is our, this was my pick for for the commentary of, I guess next week. It's going to, yeah. So for if this you, week, I think it's on. listening to it. Oh, if, yeah, this for week. this week. Um, yeah, Sicario is one of my favorite films, um, and I thought, what a, what a, why don't we do a commentary on drug cartels mm-hmm. and. <laughs> And Bernicio's sniping, mm-hmm. and you know Brolin's um, cocky and oh, Emily good, Blunt's flip flops, and Emily Blunt's. I need to get the hell out of here. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, we're. I'm. I'm so excited we're doing this movie again. Like, like Anthony when uh, when we saw this movie back in 2015. so almost five years ago Jeez. from the release. Um, it's one of those movies that I don't think. I don't think there's been a movie that's made such a big impression from kind of going with no expectations to just kind of blowing us away. Mm -hmm. Um, And since then, of course, Denis uh, Villeneuve, who's the director, who's also Canadian. He's, he hasn't missed yet. So I'm really excited to do that. So look out for that on the movie podcast feed this Wednesday, uh, which is April 15th. So we'll have that ready for you to listen and then
0: watch along with us then. Wicked. All right, guys, let's jump into some news here. So let's try our best to do our news beat, and maybe we'll get it today. All right, three, two, one.
1: <laughs> I feel like we had it, but Anthony was late. I don't no, know. I was,
2: I was on time. I in, was on time. My, I, my I headphones, looked the video.
0: You two were on time like to each other. I was, I guess, a bit early. I don't know. It's... It's tough. We'll figure it.
1: Out. It's it's the wave of the internet, you know. We just we're just, it's just hearing each us. other,
0: but we're not there. It is definitely against us. <laughs> well, it will come back once once we come back together. Once you know? we come back together, exactly. So let's jump into our first bit of news here. So. Expect more Disney films to skip the theaters in favor of Disney+. Plus. This is come from Scott Mendel- Mendelson of Forbes. Now that Walt Disney has guaranteed annual lineup of Marvel movies, Pixar, Disney animation flicks, live-action remakes, and year-end biggies, there's no longer room for or need for the next Artemis Fowl or Tomorrowland-style movies in theaters. Bob Iger confirmed this in an interview with Barron's yesterday that, yes, we can see more planned Disney theatricals instead debuting on Disney Plus, while we can speculate on what that means for Angelina Jolie's The One and Only Ivan, which is still dated for August 14th, um, or Peter Jackson's The Beatles Get Back documentary, which is due in September 20th. A film stage, a filmed stage production of Hamilton, which is also due uh, next year, on October 15th, and heaven forbid, Pixar Souls, which is technically still. Uh, schedule for June, I would wager that comment was more about films merely in development at this juncture. After all, Disney Plus was always intended to be a safe outlet for that kind of, for the kind of Disney movies that aren't as theatrically viable as they once were before audiences began flocking for streaming and video on demand. What do you guys think about this?
2: Makes sense. I
1: think, yeah, I think it was only a matter of time before we got to this point, and Obviously, it took a pandemic to really push studios to start changing up their release strategy, but I'm okay with this. I mean, I've been really, during this whole thing, I've been really exploring movies that I wouldn't traditionally watch in theaters and watching things that I wouldn't normally go for. And because it's on something I'm already paying for. So it's it's nice having that option. I'm just curious now, going forward, does that change the type of movies that Disney's going to greenlight? in order to make, cause I, are they just going to be like right from the get go do all these movies? Are they only going to focus on like star Wars, Marvel and animation to go to theaters and then a uh, certain type of movies go to home release. Like it's, it's kind of up in the air for that kind of thing. But um, I mean, but we're already kind of seeing it in theaters already now. Like when you look at Marvel and star Wars and like the Pixar movies, those are the ones getting that giant box office return. Everything else is like, okay, but it's not like, The giant behemoths, and I mean, like everything else, as in uh, movies that aren't franchises from any studio. You know,
2: I think we were talking about this a couple of months ago when Disney Plus came out, and we were wondering, you know, what like what is the main purpose for Disney Plus? Are they going to kind of be that path for films that are that they don't want to release in theaters to be released digitally and stream and streamed um, on day one? Like for instance, The Mandalorian or Captain America Winter Soldier, what's uh, Falcon and and um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But
1: yeah. those are ones that are like made for Disney Plus, right? Like they're making right, them like, with the intention for Disney Plus.
2: So but we were even talking about it back then, like maybe movies that Disney produces is going to are going to be strictly those box office money grabbers and everything else would be pushed to. But now we're in a situation where it's like, well, we have this platform, but we're delaying these movies. Should we just release them to at least get some sort of viewership for it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, again, I think every studio is in the same position, but luckily when you have a studio like Disney, who now has an outlet to release these movies quickly, I'm hoping they'll take advantage of it more and you know there's a lot of movies that are on Disney's slate that I wish they would have tried to release now instead of making us kind of wait for the summer because again July is still super ambitious and I I'm seeing you know Pixar's Soul in June that's 100% going to move you know Mulan in July I don't think it's going to hit these dates and I just think that I'd rather them have the foresight to release it on Disney Plus sooner then have to release it on Disney Plus because they don't have a choice. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with you. And I'm glad they moved movies like um, uh, Artemis Fowl. I'm glad they moved that to Disney Plus because, I mean, it, it doesn't look that great. And at least here, it may have some life.
1: Yeah, more people will watch it because they'll be curious, right? Yeah. It will be there. They're paying for it. Why not? Give it a shot Why not give it a shot.
0: Let's sorry. Go ahead, Anthony.
2: Oh, I was just going to say um, we were talking about this last week. Would you watch a movie that came out digitally um, at home as well as go watch it in theaters when if they, if they gave it that theater release? Would you do both?
0: Totally depends on the film. So, for example, if Tenet, I know this will never happen to Tenet, but if Tenet did that, I would 100%. If I liked it, obviously, I would go watch it in theaters. And same with a movie like Top Gun that Nate was talking about as well. I would definitely go watch that in theaters as well as home because I want to experience that IMAX screen. I wouldn't go watch it in a regular, you know, cinema number five or anything like that. I'd watch it in like a really big screen.
1: Well, we've been seeing this as well too, Anthony, with uh Netflix movies last year, right? Uh we look look back and look at the Irishman. That came out in November. It did get a theater release, uh, and then three weeks later it went on Netflix to watch. And if anything, I think that'd be a really smart move for studios saying, hey, you know what? When you look at the success of movies, the bulk of the mo- the money that's coming in is within those first three weeks. let's get them to make that money and then put it at home so people could watch it at home but if people still want to have a night out they could still go to the theaters to watch it um i think it would be smart for them going forward or at least to kind of bridge the gap between the two would be to at least give theaters exclusivity for maybe a week or two or three weeks and then go to the home streaming service you know because if tenants coming out to watch in theaters first two weeks theater experience i'm there and then when it comes to home release then i could get to watch it at home too and i gladly watch it on hbo max or pay to rent it because i know i loved it in the theater but just i just don't want to lose a theater option altogether yet you know mm-hmm. yeah no, mm-hmm. exactly
0: mm-hmm. okay next story here we've got is screen screen engine launches premium vod which is a video on demand analytics service this is coming from rebecca rubin of variety now movie theaters are one of the many sectors of the entertainment industry that are forced to shutter as this coronavirus pandemic is now sweeping through the country or really throughout the whole world now with nowhere to showcase their films some hollywood studios have opted to skip the traditional theatrical releases and launch early on home entertainment To help analyze these facts and figures uh, from the temporary shift to digital, Screen Engine, a Los Angeles-based data and analytics company, is launching a weekly service that reports on how audiences are responding to premium video on-demand content for major movies. Now, the virtual post-viewing data titled Post-VOD will be an online survey of post-VOD customers measuring audience composition, uh, viewing behaviors, motivators, and their level of satisfaction. The report will also include movies that are being released digital purchased significantly early like um sonic the hedgehog or pixar's onward even warner brothers birds of prey the data will right now just cover the u.s audiences but they're planning to expand to the united kingdom canada and australia as well Hmm. this makes sense i mean we have nielsen readings for our televisions for monitoring our tv behavior now that we're moving into the whole video on demand service it was only a matter of time
1: Yeah, and especially now with so many people being home, um, this is something that I think is really going to shape the way studios kind of look at who's engaging with what and what they're looking to invest or potentially invest money into. Because this is going to be something that will give them those indicators about like, hey, how did this really do? Because a lot of the times, anytime let's say Netflix releases something like the Witcher or stranger things. And they're like, this was the history of the most watches in 24 hours with like a hundred million people or something crazy like that. But that Netflix data only really accounts if you've watched it for like 30 seconds or something like that, maybe even less. So having something like this to give those analytics will hopefully give a better understanding of who's watching. Do they like this? And should we make more of it?
2: Now, are these, and I don't know if you know this question or not, but the analytical data that's being pulled from these streaming services, are they given these analytical inf- like tools to monitor what's happening on Netflix side or Amazon Prime or, or uh, Disney Plus? Or is it just like another service so it- that they pull from?
1: I don't. It doesn't appear to be actually metrics based on of like of how long people are watching and things like that. I think that data remains with whatever the streaming company is, but this is more of a survey, like the Nielsen ratings, of kind of getting an understanding of what people think about that content itself, to give them a, an understanding
0: and of a, a rating of that. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's fair. I agree. Oh, cool. oh sorry. <laughs> All right. So next story here we've got is Disney Plus hits 50 million paid subscribers. Now, this is coming from Natalie Jarvey of The Hollywood Reporter. Now, following its November 12th launch, streaming service Disney Plus has now surpassed the 50 million paid subscriber milestone globally, which is what the Walt Disney Company has disclosed on Wednesday. The uptick in subscribers comes after the nearly five month old service began to roll out in more countries around the world. On March 24th, the service became available in the UK, France, Germany, Italy, Anthony, big one for you, Spain and other European (laughs) countries. It launched in India on Friday. Disney said that the India launch, which was conducted in conjunction with the hot star service it required in its purchase of the Fox assets accounts for around 8 million of the Disney plus subscribers by reaching the 50 Holy million. Crap. That's insane by the way, by reaching the 50 that million, 8 million just from India. Wow. Which, which is, yeah, which is huge. That's huge. But I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I believe hot stars is, is a big, um, uh, service in India. So I'm, I'm not surprised now Disney plus, has shot past corporate service sister Hulu, which has more than 30 million subscribers, and it still has ways to go to catch up to the giant Netflix, which is about 167 million subscribers. But Disney Plus's growth has been quick. It has nearly doubled its base since it disclosed its subscriber growth in early February. And the service has already amassed an audience that is nearly one-third the size of Netflix, which began offering its service, what, like a decade ago? Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's absolutely insane. I'm actually not surprised because the price for Disney Plus is also just right. That it kind of makes sense. It's
1: a it's a fast moving train, man. When you look at when you think about fifty million subscribers already, like we were just talking about how important analytics and data is. Like fifty million people in less than a year. That's absolutely insane. Like this is probably one of the best product launches we've ever seen yeah or entertainment launches in general like that's that's absolutely insane to think that they're they have that many people already part of their part of their system
0: you know yeah how many nuts. times
2: do you guys go to your uh, disney plus
0: app i'll be honest i i i do now go quite a bit more especially for the simpsons i can't wait till they fix it i think end of may is what they're aiming for to fix all the episodes um, when I eat, I like to have The Simpsons on in the background. Um, sometimes I like to watch Recess or other Disney shows from my childhood just because it's comforting.
1: Yeah, I watch, especially with uh, right. with being at home, I've been watching uh, quite a bit on the Apple TV. I've been watching a lot of Disney content there, just trying to explore old content and new stuff.
2: Personally, I haven't actually gone to it. It's like the, the last app in my in my services that I would actually head towards because there's nothing new that, that I know they have that I would want to watch. So when I subscribed um, back in November, it was strictly to watch the Mandalorian. And then, you know, the, the persuasion of, you know, all these other content, all this other content that's going to be coming out. And now that it's delayed, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, maybe I shouldn't have bought that first year because really I have only watched, The Mandalorian and nothing else.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Even though, like, bang for your buck, bang for your buck, it's great. Like, you get all these Disney things, but I'm like, right? I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't go watch like uh, Toy Story over and over again to be like, yeah, it's worth that eighty dollars a year.
1: No, you're absolutely right. 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 I I think I think it just I think it just comes down to what uh, what makes sense for you, right? Like, if you're a fan of that content and. I always think of like with families, most families being home now too, like this is probably like the ultimate like distraction for a lot of kids at home as well. Having all access to these movies from the fifties all the way until now. Um, but again, like you're totally right when it comes to new contents, there's not a lot of stuff there that could really keep you engaged. But uh, yeah, I guess it all just depends your preference on uh, what you want to watch. Right.
0: Yeah. I think but my you're biggest, totally right. Like if yeah. you're looking at it for new stuff, my biggest gripe with Disney Plus has been the the lack of of new content, and I mean, yeah, we had the Mandalorian, right? I I wasn't huge on the Mandalorian, but I it did keep me entertained. Um, but again, right. now that that finished, what what do we have left? There's there's right. new stuff coming. Like we know out. stuff is coming, but right, but it's you, even for like. Go ahead, Shay. No, I was just saying it's it's just it's not there yet.
2: Yeah. Um, even for Apple TV, their content is, I would say, consistently updating with new stuff. You know, The Banker, and I think there was a new show that was released. Um, yeah, like the Murder Mystery one. one? Yes.
1: Yeah, and so then we have like, Defending Jacob that comes out in a couple weeks too. So they, yeah, they're you're right, they're having more stuff.
0: And right now, I believe Apple TV Plus also has released a lot of their shows for free without a subscription as well.
1: Which is great, you know, which is is great. Obviously, like, Apple TV doesn't have the deep library of contents. Mm. So I think it's a little bit of a different situation with them because they don't have a a body of content to pull from. They have to release new things because they don't have anything else. Right. Um, Where Disney is really relying on that back catalog, which is amazing, obviously. But for for those of us who want to also see new things... We're also in a situation where we're, we're kind of waiting. We're, we're waiting for that what's next instead of let me rewatch something I've watched a million times already. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, last story that we have here is Martin Scorsese is shopping Killers of the Flower Moon to Apple. Netflix and Paramount are concerned by the budget. This is coming from Adam Chitwood of Collider. So it's deja vu all over again for Martin Scorsese and Paramount Pictures. A couple of years ago, the legendary filmmaker and the major studio were teaming up on his ambitious crime pick, The Irishman*. I don't know what accent that was, but I tried one. Uh, but I, don't as a, know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what it was. Uh, but as that the was, bullshit, that was, yeah. you don't like it? <laughs> I won't do it again. Don't worry.
2: No, man. No,
0: I won't do it. I no, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I, I can't. I forgot what I did. Even there, you go. <laughs> I forgot what I did. <laughs> but as the budget ballooned due to the extensive visual effects needed to de-age the central characters. Paramount grew concerned over the financial prospects of the movie and allowed Scorsese to shop it elsewhere. And now it appears Paramount is once again concerned with the budget of a new Scorsese project, this time Killers of the Flower Moon. The Oscar-winning director had been writing the film to start production in Oklahoma this spring with Leo DiCaprio, as you all know, and Robert De Niro. The true story chronicles one of the first cases the FBI ever investigated, the murders of Osage... Osage, 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 Os- Osage? Osage, Osage, County. Osage County. Yeah, Osage, yeah. Osage Native Americans in Oklahoma <laughs> in an effort to remove them from the valuable oil-rich land. For the Wall Street Journal, the budget has reached 200 million, and the Paramount is unsure of the viability of the film at the price, and thus has given Scorsese the go ahead to shop the project elsewhere. The paper reports that Scorsese has had discussions about Netflix and Apple about having them produce and release the drama. What does he need 200 million for? He's not (laughs) making these space opera epics. Like, what is going on? Does he not know how to (laughs) manage (laughs) finance? I don't. Me and think Daniel so, were man. talking about really this don't.
2: before the podcast started, and we're like, "Okay, let's review where this movie takes place. What's it about?" And I'm like, "What? Like, why would he need two hundred million to tell you about a crime? A crime story set in Oklahoma like, in 1921? Yeah. No, like this explosions. is like the birth of
1: like the FBI. This movie, like, yeah, what? No, ac-
2: unless he's going for a CG Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro." He just he
1: <laughs> just I wants to de-age them like ten years each. Like, <laughs> no, but ten days? I
0: want you to look ten days younger. Ten days. Uh, we don't need that yeah, guy. But, like, but Marty, why? Or is he creating like a time machine to film this movie back when this actually occurred? Like this is this is a, a max fifty million dollar project, but he's ballooned yeah. it. Do you think
1: hundred even a hundred million. Like I look at a movie like The Departed, and I'm like, that movie had a ninety million dollar budget. And I'm just thinking is part of this like because of the talent they have or is part of this thinking, isn't Marty thinking, Hey, I get that Netflix or that Apple money right now. Let me see how much we could get to make this movie. Like that's crazy, man. So you think he's actually can't pulling stay that within off? budget? Like he's just saying, like, you what? know
2: what? I'm Martin Scorsese. I know you have the money. Give me the money and I'll just going to waste it. Like, is it just like, because I'm going to waste it on stupid things. Like, I don't
1: I just know don't man. Get like, what
2: he's doing with it.
1: Because tech companies have so much like ridiculous bank. Like, if you look at if you think about what Apple has in the bank and what uh, like Netflix is in debt, but they have a lot of money to throw around. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just think that he's just trying to use as much
0: money as he can from them. Cause, like, what, like, what do you need it for though, Marty? Like, what are you doing? Okay, I'm looking at The Irishman right now. What? Was that a financially viable film? like did it did i mean obviously we don't have those kind of numbers because it was netflix but right did it really make a dent because honestly i can pick maybe four people that have seen that film do you guys know what the box (laughs) office of the irishman was no
1: do you want to know what it is
0: yeah yeah of course on a
1: 200 million dollar budget guess how much it made in theaters does, just, I'll let
0: you wager a guess. Hundred thousand.
2: I would say five million. It Eight lift. million dollars. that's oh, close.
1: That's nuts, though, when you think about it. Eight million dollars on a two hundred like, that's like a that's a box office bomb of like colossal things. But like, because it released on Netflix, then that's it's out, right?
0: Yeah. It also had a very you just limited. Think, how does? Too.
1: Yeah, like you just have to think though, like how does Netflix? I still don't really understand how Netflix like determines is this a success or not. Right. You know, no, you know, it's just, it's very strange. I'm also looking at it. It's a, well, they, very it's weird like, how they figure that out. It,
2: they fish for you, right? They, they propose, okay, watch The Irishman for what do you get? A week? How many days do you get for free on Netflix?
0: I have no idea. A
1: week? A yeah, week. but who doesn't have Netflix, really?
2: At this point. Let's say you don't. So you you go and you subscribe for a week and then you watch The Irishman. And then you notice, oh, there's another movie or there's another TV show. So either they're really lowballing their licenses when they buy product or buy TV shows and movies to, you know, pull up the price for or make a profit on other things. I don't know. Because they buy a lot of things. They do if they can catch you and they can like fish for you and you're, you know, out of a hundred people, maybe 10, 15 people subscribe, then think about that. The rest of the world. And there's like, what? 7 billion people in the world. There's big money there. 200 million to them is nothing. Plus they were trying to buy that Oscar race. they are really going for that. Oscar
1: oh yeah. Race. When you, when you look at Netflix's releases last year, that's unreal. Like the amount of Netflix films that were there um yeah i mean it's it's very interesting thinking that he needs this much money for this movie and again i could see like do you guys have a do you like personally have a a feeling which way we'll go do you think we'll go to apple or do you think we'll go to netflix this time because obviously he has an agreement or a a friendship with netflix um
0: where do you think it's going to go i think i think netflix i mean they were hoping that this would be their big oscar film and it walked away with what zero oscars yeah, it did not win uh, any Oscars. It was nominated for, I believe, like ten. Walked away with zero. So I think they're kind of like. Ooh. But I mean, like, I think being nominated though is at least it's still big, a big deal. For it's them, it's right? definitely big. But I was I'm like, if it was me, like, i I'm, I'm going for the goal. I don't really care about the, my nomination as much as I love that. Now I think Apple is getting into this business now, and they're probably like, hey. Let me uh let me have a bite of the Scorsese apple. You know what I'm saying? I,
1: I've heard of Sorskezi, yeah. I've heard of Marty, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But let's 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 ask this question I think you- out to everybody else as well. What do you guys think? I mean, I know you guys are gonna give your answers too. But what does everybody else think? As for our question of the week, if you go to thistimewith.com slash talk what streaming service do you think this movie will end up on? Whether it's Apple, Netflix, or throw your own out there, Disney Plus. Oh God, what do you think, Anthony? I, I think he
2: would go with Netflix just because he knows how willingly they will offer or, or pay up for a movie by him. Plus from, from what you hear with um, other companies and studios dealing with Apple, they're very involved. And I don't think Martin Scorsese would be the type of guy that would want, you know, Tim Cook to really question what he's doing with his film. Well, Netflix kind of has this like laid back feel and i do what I you want like would, you know yeah like i feel like he would go with that he would like stick with netflix because he knows that they're a willing to give him the money b back off and let him make the movie he wants to make and and they're not really a technology company so he doesn't have to worry about netflix? other yeah like they're not they they're, they're their purpose is not building you know products like hardware like iphones and ipads or technology yeah
1: it's 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 amassing an audience right
2: yeah their goal is to make movies and tv shows like that's all they do so it seems like the logical choice also they have the subscriber subscriber base too which is big
1: yeah and i think at the end of the day even though they didn't win any oscars for the irishman um or like all like what did they have last year marriage story all of those like massive movies from last year Netflix was the biggest player at the Oscars. And I think when it comes to Netflix, especially since they don't really have a bunch of money in the bank, it's like, it's like goes kind of, it kind of goes back to that analogy from um, catch me. If you can, it's like looking at the pinstripes on the Yankee jerseys. Like they just, they just want to feel like they're, their prestige and they're the biggest players, even though if it's not, doesn't always equate to success on their ends. They just want that prestige of being the biggest player around. And I think, um, getting Scorsese again would be a huge, uh, a huge get for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. Any other thoughts you guys had about our stories today? That is all. That is all. That is all. Wicked, wicked. Well, let's jump into some trailers here. So, trailers. Trailers. Trailers.
2: That, okay, was, okay,
0: that, was, that okay. was all right. I mean Anthony, I need a little bit more for you next time, but uh that's you fine. know what? I'm in my house and I don't want to yell it. <laughs> Why not? Get go
1: time. <laughs> I don't want listen, man. We don't want we don't want you to yell it. We want you to sing it. We need yeah. you to serenade I us. We need you to believe that we're about to talk about Put music.
2: some auto tune on my voice, Daniel.
1: <laughs> oh god, okay. <laughs> I will auto-tune. next time.
0: <laughs> if you want me to, I will. Yes. <laughs> all right, so let's jump into our first trailer here. And it's uh um Oddly enough, it is a Netflix movie coming out called Extraction. Extraction starring Chris Hemsworth. Uh, who's it director by? Do we know? No? No one knows? Okay. That's a great question. I can look it up. I'll get it for you. I'll
1: get it for
0: you. <laughs> but Extraction. Now, what you... Yeah, know? so...
2: Um- interesting it felt um it felt a little bit it felt like when i watched it it gave me vibes of man on fire
0: Hmm.
2: it was it seemed like you know chris hemsworth is that guy who's seen it all and he's he hit rock bottom looks like he lost his family and now he has that one you know that one contract to bring him back to to i guess be a mercenary or some sort of private um police and help out a, a little kid that's being hunted and, and tracked down by some bad yeah. Indian dudes.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so this is this movie is directed by Sam Hargrave, uh, who is uh this is his first directed movie. Yeah, he's the stunt uh, guy. He's a stunt guy. And when I saw him, I just saw his picture. I'm like, oh, my God, this is Captain America's stunt guy. Yeah. yeah, So, And it's written also by Joe Russo, has a writing credit on it. Yeah, so the Russo
0: brothers are producers on the film. And, I mean, it makes sense because he's probably pretty close with them. But, um, yeah, the trailer, what I liked about it was there was some really cool – Audio, uh, so some really cool like visual <laughs> styles. My sorry, that little...
1: sounds like somebody who hasn't watched the trailer. <laughs> got a little distracted there. My apologies. Um, I like the uh, I like the lighting. Like the lighting's the, like really good. The
0: animation that they used in the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Camera styles in the film were very cool, and I feel like whenever there is a stunt director. Sunt choreographer directing a movie. They look for that visual style, but sometimes it does lack the substance. And I think when I'm looking at this trailer, it just looks like it's kind of balls the wall action, but it also looks like a movie that Chris, Chris Hemsworth should not be doing right now in his career. It just looks like another, maybe yeah. Yeah. another black hat. Right. Um, yeah. This, so this movie is
1: coming out soon again. This is the one thing I love about Netflix movies. It's like, we're giving you a trailer to, we're giving you a poster today, a trailer tomorrow, and then this movie is going to come out in two weeks. And literally, this movie's coming out on the 24th of April. So we won't have to wait long before we
0: watch it.
2: Now, this movie was filmed a, a really long time ago. From um, from what I remember.
0: Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like it was made a long time ago. <laughs> let's,
1: uh, like let's, find on the show. let's find out. Let's
0: find out. Yeah, it was actually shot in 2001.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh God, (laughs) Chris Hemsworth was a teenager when they shot this. (laughs) Um, Uh, They actually shot this in November 2018, so almost two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like, just goes to show how. How long? Oh yeah, we'll definitely watch it. Hundred percent. Henry Jackman's doing the score. Who's a phenomenal composer. He also did the score for Captain America: The Winter Soldier and Civil War and X Men: First Class. So you got some, you got some good people in it. I mean, I think the only, uh, the biggest names in it are Chris Hemsworth and David Harbour. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on the American side or the North American side. But um, I'm hoping it's good because like I'm, I'm all in for a good action movie. I just. I hope it's more I hope it's more winter soldier than Underground Six. Or Six
0: or Underground. Or Six Underground. Hey Anthony six, An- six Underground. Anthony right? loves
1: Six Underground. He said uh, that sure. yeah. Six
0: Underground?
1: Best picture. It looks it looks like the same movie. <laughs> six Underground and Extraction.
0: No? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anthony's not too
1: pleased.
2: Yeah, it's Anthony's like it's like pleased. a it's it's like a yeah, like a Like a Bollywood style.
0: Uh, I mean... (laughs) Uh, Let's let's jump into our next trailer here, guys. So we got The Trip to Greece. Now this is with Steve Coogan and... Oh my god, I I forgot his name now. Robert something? (laughs) Do we have the name? Do we have the Uh, name? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's
1: Steve Coogan. And Rob (laughs) Brydon. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> just laughing at how uh, you said Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. Yeah. What's funny about that?
0: No, because you're like Steve Coogan. Coogan. I like Steve Coogan. He uh, really makes me and laugh. And then Rob Ryan.
2: Yeah, He Dude. does. He makes me laugh too. He's like that dry wit British humor. Yeah. Everything.
0: Yeah. Which is good because he's a
1: comedian as well. So. That makes sense. So this is the fourth that
2: installment of yes. the the trio. So you. So those of you who've, who might have seen these two together, they usually go on these European trips and they kind of like talk about life and they do a lot of impressions. And again, it's like that very British style humor. It's dry. Quick wit. But it's also yeah. quick wit and funny. So
1: funny. Um, you can just tell they're having a good time. Yeah. And
2: they're you know? playing yeah. themselves. They look, their chemistry is really good. Yeah. Yeah, they're playing themselves in real life.
0: And I think think this is what Adam Sandler wanted to do when he was trying to make movies with his friends, but he totally missed the mark. And Steve Coogan kind of got it right. He said, okay, I'm going to make a movie with my friend. We're just going to go to these fancy places, eat good food, drink a lot, and tell jokes. And these movies, they get good reviews. And honestly, they look pretty good. Maybe one day I'll uh, sit down and watch all four of them.
1: Yeah, they look they look fun. I wonder if there's any streaming service who uh, who has them.
0: Probably be like be BBC good, uh, something. Maybe I
2: don't know. <laughs> Probably one thing they love doing because they share is the impression. And what I've seen from other trailers is, uh, he, they do an impression of Michael Caine, and they have different Michael Caines throughout the throughout the years. So you have like yeah. the early Michael Caine to the the now, like the Dark Knight or the the older Michael Caine and how his voice has changed. It's pretty funny. Yeah. And are, their impressions are like spot on. A lot of spot them are on. based off of uh, British actors that you might not know. So you might have to go in and find a YouTube link to maybe that actor to understand where they're coming from. But it's so funny. It's It almost reminds me of like just faulty towers, like just British humor, which you don't yeah. really get That's- a lot of anymore.
1: It's that that quick and f- quick wit and just such blink and you miss it jokes like it's it's such phenomenal and Steve Coogan is 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 awesome so I'm excited to watch this.
0: Yeah. yeah, so let's jump into out this week and as you would guess, there is nothing out this week. This hurts. It still hurts every time I say this. It hurts.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really, uh, there's probably like a Netflix or release here
0: or there, but movie-wise, really nothing yet. Nothing at all. But uh, we would have been giving you our review. Nothing at all. Nothing Nothing. at all. We would have been giving you our review for (laughs) No Time to Die, so I'm going to pretend like I watched Uh... it. It was great. I liked it like How that. great was that movie? It was, no, it was so good.
1: Man, I so hated, good. hated that <laughs> film so much. I knew that it. part
0: where the shark comes out? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. When James ripped off both his arms and threw them at uh, Remy yeah. the Malik, I was I was confused.
2: And what about that his psychic? It's a chimpanzee? Like what?
0: Yeah. But it's
1: still- Do you remember when Remy Malik started singing like Freddie Mercury? Like uh-huh. he thought he was Freddie Mercury? Uh-huh. It was just. I just thought that was really out of place. It's also, like, what why, movie am I why watching? Did they
0: bring back Judy Dench. She was dead. Like they brought her back to know, play. Man. She was they reanimated. M-square? Her though. That was her name, I believe, in the film M Squared. Yeah. They yeah.
1: actually uh, they also had like an into the spider verse moment too where like all these <laughs> different James Bonds came uh-huh. from different eras like to fight against Rami Malik. It was real it was cool, but, but it was also like but Rami Malek I don't think we need this in James Bond. I believe Bond. he was
0: in like a cyborg suit as well. He was like a megazord. A Megazord? <laughs> a Voltron yeah. of himself? Yeah. Oh god. Oh boy. But uh, what have you guys been watching? Anthony, what have you watched this week?
2: This week, I've been watching my regular TV shows. so Black Monday, I'm still continuing with that, and um, Westworld Season 3, which was really, really good. Um, Dark Side of the Ring, another great episode. Interesting um, story on the brawl for all. That was Yeah, during the, great episode. The Attitude Era, where wrestlers were actually boxing each other for the prize of literally nothing, and, yeah. and the injuries that they sustained. I'm still um, what, on. what
1: blew me away? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Anthony. No, no. Go ahead. I was gonna say what blew what blows me away about the world of wrestling, just because I've been kind of I've been watching the show as well too, and just seeing the lengths that these wrestlers will go to to kind of get that shot, like to get that one chance against a big wrestler. Or get like in this case, like they were really kind of pitching this so whoever the winner would be would get to fight uh, or wrestle Stone Cold. You know, like Steve Austin. you would get to yeah. fight him. That get but push, it didn't. They'll get that push and that big promotion because promotion is such a, uh, such a big part of, uh, of the wrestling world. And it just, it just, it sucks to see, kind of like where these guys were, and then after that fight, so many of them, their careers just disappeared. And then you kind of hear them talking about it now, and it's, it's really heartbreaking for a lot of them because now they're just kind of. Doing regular jobs, nothing. That's there's anything wrong with that, but like these guys, like risked it all for this one night to get stardom, and then now they're nothing.
2: Hmm. 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 Um, I've been also continuing with my studio Studio Ghibli um, film run, so I watched Castle in the Sky. Um, I'll also talk about Graves of the Fireflies, which will I'll leave to the end. Um, game night with you guys we did the commentary on game night collateral it was a a movie that i just haven't seen in a really long time and i put it on and i'm like man this was such a such an interesting movie i really like the performances and i i really like the story um the cinematography was so different because it was shot digitally so certain scenes just look so almost like it was shot on a phone and and now it's kind of like that was the the forefront of digital video or digital filmmaking. But um, one thing I took away from it was, man, like it really showcased LA. It's such a LA movie. And if you forget about that,
1: Um, those yellow lights on the highway,
2: you know? Yeah. You forget about all the, all the, like how, how important Los Angeles is to this film. Um, You also forget about, tom cruise's performance which was such a it was a complete completely different performance that you've you've seen from him because he plays a bad guy and he doesn't really play a bad guy in movies like the last time Never. he played a bad guy was um interview with a vampire so you have this this interesting character that you want to learn more about and it's just it was a it was, it's just a, I think it's and i proposed a question out there like what was um tom Cruise's best performance in a film was this tom cruise best performance of the film that no one talks about um and That's i got a lot of yeses there. people say you know cocktail and um <laughs> the outsider or uh rain man but like really if you look at those movies you know tom cruise is in that movie you don't really remember tom cruise in collateral you don't yeah it's you, just because it's about rare that he ever plays
1: do. yeah he's he's phenomenal in it and it's it's crazy like i think jamie fox is also great in that movie um he but jamie fox academy was academy award yeah for but, but for best supporting actor which yeah. i would say tom cruise was the supporting actor and james and uh and jamie fox was the lead so it's interesting that it kind of they got jamie fox for supporting even though i felt like he was the lead of the movie um yeah, yeah i think i think tom cruise could have really uh Maybe maybe it goes down to maybe he didn't want to be in the the supporting actor c- the category because he is a lead character. But yeah, I think I think he could have had a real shot of winning best supporting actor that year because he was he was phenomenal.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And Mark Ruffalo's in that film as well. Jason Statham's in that movie as well. It's like a quick cameo or not cameo, but like appearance in the beginning. Like you forget about these yeah. things.
1: Yeah, because when you be look something. at. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say Morgan Freeman won that year for Million Dollar Baby. So maybe he wouldn't have won, but at least I think he would have been a stronger contender cuz there wasn't a lot of big names that year.
0: What about Graves of the Fireflies?
2: <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought she was going to say something. There was so, a nice yeah, uh, little I, pause there, there was another <laughs> um, another uh, Studio Ghibli film which was uh, Graves of the Fireflies which I did like I watched this movie just not knowing what I was watching and it was set in world war II. It's about a, a, a brother and sister and how they deal with war in Japan. Um, and I was really, really, really touched by this film. Like this, this movie really connected and really like impacted me because it was so, so, so sad. And a lot of people, maybe you have seen it, maybe you haven't. Um, But I actually have a review that Roger Ebert put up back in when he was alive about watching for the first time. So I'm going to read it for you guys. Grave of the Fireflies is an emotional experience so powerful that it forces a rethinking of animation. Since the earliest days, most animated films have been cartoons for children's and family. Recent Animated features such as The Lion King and Princess Mononoke and The Iron Giant have touched on more serious themes. And the Toy Story movies and classics like Bambi have had moments that moved some audience members to tears. But these films exist within a safe confines. They inspire tears, but not grief. Graves of the Fireflies is, is a powerful, dramatic film that happens to be animated. And I know what the critic Ernest Rister means when he compares it to Schindler's List and says it is the most profoundly human animated film I've ever seen. And wow. this was uh, this was done in 2000 because this movie didn't really hit North America until you know DVDs started to populate in. Uh, Japanese DVDs started to populate in North America so when this movie came out he reviewed it and he, like this these these words that he said were exactly how I felt like man this it didn't feel like an animated film even though it was animated it was a dramatic war film and it was I encourage you guys to see it. it is very very sad it's very depressing but it is probably one of the most important films that you should see if you're into cinema if you're into um, animation because it, it, it blurs the line between those two mediums. Like what is animation? What is real? Like how can we use animation to tell a story that is not cartoony that can really invoke this type of emotion out of you. And I was literally shocked at this film.
1: I love that, that feeling of when you're, when you're watching a movie and maybe you're 20 minutes into it or 30 minutes into it or an hour into it and you already know you're watching something that is going to be one of your favorite movies and i think that's that's such an amazing feeling um, and yeah it's it's just like what you said there's so many movies from the 80s and 90s from japan that really didn't come here unless you imported it or you knew of it and it wasn't until like that 2000s mid 2000s kind of bubble of japanese culture really starting to come over to north america that you saw a lot more dvd releases of the of, the, of this stuff and it's and i love the fact that these Studio Ghibli movies are going to be on platforms where people are going to be able to watch them soon, and have access to them because I think they're so they're such important movies to watch and to understand. And like, like after you watch this, I remember you messaged Shay and I, and you're just like, guys, like this movie is amazing.
2: You messaged and us and crying, he crying as
1: well. Really excited to watch it. Yeah, he was just just crying. Yeah, all the time. This,
2: this this movie was made <laughs> in 19, 1988. Um, wow. it was it was done by Studio Ghibli, but again, it's not an original film by them. Um, the, the movie that I mentioned beforehand, which was Castles in the Sky is original film by Studio Ghibli, but this one was based on a novel. And I guess because of its historical significance, they asked Studio Ghibli to animate it. Um, and so they did. And like, it's crazy. Like you don't know how, how, impactful war was in japan because you don't hear it you just hear like okay yeah well japanese were involved in pearl harbor and they had the midway but like you you didn't know like after the fact after the war like how japan still kept pressing to to win that that war and the americans were bombing and it's just it's such a sad sad story And and like on all parts every every part of that war was sad and and like everyone was touched by it
1: that's awesome. That's a, it's a really high, uh, really in-depth review that you gave it, so I'm excited to uh, give it a shot, man.
0: Yeah, yeah thanks so. for that, Anthony. Dan, what about you? What have you been watching?
1: Uh, watch a lot of stuff this week. Honestly, I've been, as I kind of mentioned in the weeks prior, I've been really watching a lot of nature documentaries just to get that feeling of travel that I'm sorely missing right now. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of like the Disney nature and the National Geographic ones, like on crimson wings, born in China, um, penguins. So a lot of that stuff. Uh, Shay and I, Shay has been telling me to watch this and it's been on my list for such a long time to watch. So I finally watched upgrade, which is a really cool movie uh, it's from the same director as the invisible man. So you really see that parallel and his visual style, which is very distinct uh, between both movies. So I'm really excited to see what he does next Um, we watched Raiders of the Lost Ark just because I was in that Indiana Jones mood. I feel like we were either talking about it on the show. Uh, yeah, we were last week because Indiana Jones got pushed. Um, so I was in the mood to watch that obviously uh we watched game night together last week again if you missed it at the top of the show we do have our commentary out available now that you could watch um it's on the movie podcast feed so definitely listen to it there and watch along with the movie with us uh and yeah i just kind of went on a and a disney plus uh downward spiral so i continued watching the mighty ducks i watched the third one You're doing that so disney i had to- cocaine, Right? <laughs> i had to trek my way through d3 which again is easily the weakest of the three movies but uh it's still it's silly and i still get a kick out of it uh watch a goofy movie uh shay also watched uh we watched this uh we synced up and watched this anthony said no he didn't want to watch it uh with us i don't remember even Uh,
2: having a conversation (laughs) about this
1: because he just i think you have auto reply to no i don't want to on your phone yeah you gotta turn that off (laughs) Shay's like
0: yay yeah, we messaged you about Disney, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, I only watch depressing Japanese animated films. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, you did yeah, mention so, about a uh, goofy movie.
1: Yeah, so we watched a goofy movie. Phenomenal movie, obviously. like it's It just brings me back so much to uh, my childhood. Just, uh, just Phenomenal. Uh, I watched the Even Stevens movie just because uh, I watched the series. I finished the series about a month or two ago. Uh, It was one of my favorite series growing up, and I was like, yeah, i just may as well watch the movie now. Uh, Modern Family also wrapped up its series this week, so it had a double episode series finale, uh, which is a cute ending. Uh, I was a huge fan of Modern Family. I kind of fell off of it around season eight. I kind of stopped watching (laughs) it weekly, but it was... So uh, the last three. Se- Why are you laughing? What's funny about that? Because it was like, hey,
2: it was a <laughs> you fall off on season eight, like not season yeah. three, not it was no like no the no. Last no.
1: Season. Modern Modern Family was a consistently great show, even when it had its like kind of bad episodes, quote unquote bad episodes. It's still entertaining. Um, my biggest thing though with the finale, so it's a season eleven uh, series finale um it just kind of it left a lot of doors open for spinoffs which i think we'll definitely see it also felt like it didn't really give a lot of closure um because obviously yeah it is a family like it it didn't do the traditional like oh we're going to end by moving away which a lot of shows do it just kind of felt like people are moving away in the show but it also felt more of like a spinoff tee up rather than a, a, a closing chapter for them so i don't think it's the last time we see them uh yeah watch a lot this week sorry uh, I watched 21 Bridges with Chadwick Boseman, uh, which was uh, – that's okay. It's fine. It wasn't really memorable. I kind of forgot that I watched How it. How many Bridges would you get um, a
2: bit out of 21? Uh,
1: kind of the weekly shows, Harley Quinn, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, watched The Lincoln Lawyer <laughs> as well too yesterday. So my dad was like, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Let's watch it. So I watched that. Uh, I was talking to you guys earlier about Freeze Solo which is a really uh, cool documentary, which you could watch on Disney plus now. And I won an Oscar last year as well, too. It's about a guy who does literally free solo. He free solos up mountains, which is basically climbing up a mountain without any supplies. So really cool. If you're a fear of heights, it's definitely one to watch and be scared while you watch it. And for some reason I watch employee of the month, which is a Dane cook movie from 2006. Uh, not a good movie, but it's also a guilty pleasure movie of mine, so it was just kind of fun to go back and watch it, and I was telling you guys while I was watching this that it's it's funny going back, like, do you guys ever go back and watch movies and and almost feel like, wow, this is so out of time now. Like, there's a lot of gay jokes in it, and there's a lot of, like, sexual innuendo jokes in it that it's, it's not that... Like, like if you're... If it's funny, it's one thing, but it's also just feels very out of place in the movie. Like it definitely makes you kind of go like, like that does not age well. Do you guys, uh, do you guys ever get that when you're watching movies?
0: Movies from the early two thousands. Um, it's always kind of a bit of a cringe fest sometimes. Cause you hear this, um, you hear jokes and things that should be said that, you know, really are not appropriate today.
1: Right, so it's a it's a lot of that. We're just like, oh, that's uh, that. This makes me very uncomfortable to to watch now. Uh, yeah. So, Anthony, do you have, do you ever get that? Do you ever kind of go back and watch movies and be like, oh, this does not age well.
2: Um, no, not really. I don't pay attention to those things. But then again, the movies I go back and watch are very it's like a very like usually those movies are like those timeless like it's hard to it's hard to say because i don't i haven't watched a film where i'm like oh that doesn't work well at this point but then again i'm not politically sensitive and correctness i like whatever was happening at that time happened at that time i'm not gonna be like oh that wouldn't make sense or oh, that would you know that wouldn't work well at this time because you know right it's just that was the time
1: Wow. Right, but it's I don't I don't mean in the sense of like like I I wasn't that I was watching it that way, but there's things where it's just like so overtly like, oh wow, that's like a really in your face like joke about gay people. And it's just like, wow, like like there's a there's the argument as well too for like, yeah, this uh, something's funny. It's funny or depending on who's the butt of the joke, but it's like it's just like, wow, like there was a couple moments in that movie that I was just like, oh that is that is not something
0: that would be okay in 2020. It's a lot of those jokes that we kind of, we kind of <laughs> filter of it. Yeah. They wouldn't fly today, but I kind of look back at it and go, well, that was a product of its time. So I'm exactly. not going to, I'm not going to be upset about it because if back right, then, right. I guess you could say most people were okay with it, or at least people weren't saying anything about it, then it's okay. As long as it's not actually like awful. Like it, it really needs, it, you need to know the context of what is being said and what is being done.
1: Right exactly, and, and that's exactly it, uh but yeah, it was just uh it was just funny kind of going back and rewatching that and uh kind of th- seeing it as i because i I probably haven't watched it since two thousand seven or eight, so it was just kind of funny going back and watching it. um what about you, Shay? what have you been
0: watching? myself, I, I watched a lot this week actually um upgrade as as you know i I finally got a, a chance to watch that with you through social distancing, and uh, I think this is my second time watching it, and i I really enjoyed it more. Uh, game night with you guys. I watched a goofy movie along with you as well. I watched Jurassic Park. Um, I went back and re-watched Notting Hill for the second week now just because well, it was my girlfriend and I's anniversary so we decided to watch that through social distancing as well. I gave a watch to Thor Ragnarok, Shazam, Wonder Woman kind of went down a comic book route. Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Harley Quinn have been watching as well. Community also. Uh, I watched a show on Disney Plus called Supercar Mega Build, and they basically take a old car and try to restore it. So in this one, they were uh, restoring a DeLorean. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of this show. It, it just it kind of seemed wonky a little bit and not well put together or well produced. So I decided to not watch anymore. Was it a that. Disney
1: Plus? Was it a Disney Plus original show or was it just a show no, that they? It's a, it's a National Geographic,
0: I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, been watching a lot of community since it's back on Netflix. It was on Amazon Prime before, so I was watching it there, but I feel like Netflix is the easier one to watch it on. Um, and I watched a Goofy movie, like I said. Then I also immediately watched the sequel, an extremely Goofy movie. Uh, and I have never really got a chance to watch them kind of side by side. And after my viewing of an Extremely Goofy movie, I really enjoyed a Goofy movie a lot more. Because you can tell that it was made for the cinema. It was made for theaters. It has a a much richer animation style, um, a lot more of emotion in the movie. The The writing is really, really damn good. And it, it touches on a lot. Whereas an extremely goofy movie, when I watched it again, um, you could really feel that straight to home video kind of vibe, almost like it was made for the Disney Channel release. So still great, but right. um, it, I don't think it had the emotional connection that a goofy movie broad plus it also there's a lot of elements of an extremely goofy movie that feel removed from the first film.
1: Yeah, I mean like it's it's one of those movies like I have fond memories of that movie growing up. I used to watch it uh weirdly enough, anytime I went to the dentist, my dentist had like a TV outside with like a bunch of VHS tapes, so I either watched Space Jam while I waited or I watched Extremely Goofy Movie and when you watch Extremely Goofy Movie, it definitely feels like no, like again, no ill will to the people who made it, but it definitely feels like the B team or the TV team who made it, rather than the people who are making the movies for the big screens, because you see that that um, habit or in or tradition in the '90s movies for Disney, especially where it's like we're making a super successful movie for theaters, and then we'll have Aladdin two you know what I mean? Or we'll have Little Mermaid too, and then they'll get a TV show. And like you, you really see the, the downgrade in quality compared like to the original product. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really what I felt this time around because I still have fond memories of both, but a goofy movie was a movie that I really grew up with. And I, I watched a lot and it hit its 25th anniversary um, last week. So that was a, that was a huge milestone yeah. for it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, amazing we're good. To
1: see.
0: So let's jump into our topic of the show so our topic of the show this Ooh, week they're is, back i know they're back it's about our favorite movie opening sequences so these are movies that you know have a great couple of minutes that start off and really kind of set the tone set the pace of the film um so if, if it's okay with you guys i'd like to start off with one
1: i think yeah. i think there's going to be a battle between all of us to pick certain movies yeah uh so yeah go ahead started up the greatest movie scenes of all time, opening according to us. Opening yes. Open sequences. Oh, oh. yeah. let, let me say this again. Let me say this again. The greatest opening movie scenes slash sequences of all time.
0: Yes. So I'd like to start off with, and in honor of its, you know, I guess, release or what happened to be the release last week is Casino Royale. Uh, this is one of my favorite uh, movie openings, and you and I talk about it a lot, Daniel, because the movie starts off in this black and white sequence. It's also it's setting up this new bond, really, like it, it's an inexperienced, not inexperienced bond, but it's it's a bond before he's a double O, and it's really setting up how it's going. It takes place in Prague, and it's just so cool. You feel this tone shift. From what we used to get in the 90s with the Pierce Brosnan movies to now in 2004, five, five, 2005, we got this new Daniel Craig Bond, and we knew that he was no-nonsense. He was kicking ass, and it was a darker tone. So it really, it really set the way.
1: I think, yeah, especially when you're comparing it, this reminds me a lot. Again, they took a lot of inspiration from Batman Begins coming out of the campier nineties movies. Uh, and they, you see that kind of as the series goes on, them taking a lot of inspiration, like that dark and gritty tone. This movie starts with such a gritty opening and it's on my list as well too, where it's just like bond just kind of interrogating this guy not even interrogating, just kind of talking to him. You're getting all the classic bond elements of him being very suave and put together, but also a young and unexperienced, so he's a little messy in it. But then you see that fight in the bathroom, and it is gritty as gritty can be. And I think it was so smart of them to open up as well in black and white, because just to let the audience know, this is not the 90s Bond movies. This is something entirely different. And again, it reminds me a lot of how gritty Batman Begins was compared to the campier uh, Schumacher movies of the 90s. So uh, well earned movie to open up our discussion with, I think mm-hmm i'm gonna one-up your bond
0: you your are bond. W- w- with your bond yeah yeah go ahead
2: one I'm of here. the greatest opening better than your gritty like bathroom hiccup don't tell
0: me you're gonna talk Doesn't about matter. the of the day don't no. tell me you're gonna say die another day because bon- i swear to god i'm gonna boot you off this podcast
2: Quantum of Solace opening sequence was the Ooh. best Bond opening sequence ever.
0: I just want to confirm. Are you being serious? Or why? Are, you, are you joking? No, I'm being serious. I I, I really like the opening of Quantum of Solace as well. I won't lie. It why do you really like really, it so
2: much? Just the way they open it up with the, the shot of the, the, Aston Martin? the camera tracking over the the yeah, with the awesome So the camera's tracking over the water and it would cut to snippets of Bond looking in the mirror and you see his eyes, he has these blue eyes and it cuts back to the tracking of the water and then it cuts back to like, you know, the cars chasing him. Like, you, you know there's a car following him and then it cuts back to the water and then it cuts back to him and you hear the gear change and then the music ramp up and boom, you're right into the movie. You know yeah. it's a continuation of um what was a movie before that Casino Uh, Casino Royale Royale. Casino Royale
1: which is so nice because you don't really see a lot of movies especially Bond movies pick up directly after and this is like five seconds after Casino Royale finished
2: and then the car engine and then the chase scene it's just like man this is how you enter a film it was just so well shot and well edited it was like man this is like this
0: this sequence is so beautiful like I, I'll always remember it, it I, just drives I, into, I agree with you hundred percent. It's, it's such a great opening. It's very, it's very quick. It's very subtle in a way as well, because you're right. There is no audio really other than the, the breeze of the car. And then you hear the gunshot, Air yeah. changes the music it's just, it's very adrenaline field.
1: Very adrenaline.
0: Phenomenal. Absolutely. Phenomenal.
1: Huh. So I'm going to say Skyfall for mine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Only Bond. I'm say Skyfall. <laughs> um, there's a lot on my list. I'm going to take off the ones that you guys already said. Um, for me, I'm going to say one of my favorite openings uh, and you may not expect this right away because you probably know I'm going to say something related to Nolan soon. But uh, one of my favorite openings of all time, and I think one of the most iconic openings of all time is for the Lion King and when you think about the opening scene in that movie set to the circle of life and seeing all the animals coming together, I don't think there's a song that's not in English that more people kind of know immediately off the bat, or just kind of like that call at the beginning From the of the circle of life.
0: You arrive on this planet.
1: You know what I mean? Like it's such an iconic sequence and it's just, it's one of my favorite, it's still to this day, I'm I'm getting I'm not even kidding you. If you guys can't see on camera, like I have goosebumps right now. Cause like it's such a it's such an amazing sequence seeing all the animals kind of coming to Pride Rock to pay their respects. And then you see that cut to black with the Lion King text popping up in red that hits so hard. That's literally something I always think about whenever like we're working on our videos for like for our Instagram channel and stuff like I want that cut to black to that's the, the cut to black I always have in mind of like just just hit it so hard that it sets the tone for the rest of the movie and it's it's there's a lot of movies most of the movies on my list aren't uh, animated they're all like live action films but I think Lion King is one that needs its due for one of the greatest opening sequences of all time or opening scenes.
0: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's actually a great one because it's a yes, yeah, super iconic, and you're absolutely right. It is that perfect cut to black. It's the one that it literally shakes your home theater system. Yeah, that doom. It's yeah. so good. It's so All right. good. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to another one here. Then, uh, my second one is going to be Social Network, uh, and um, oh, big fan of this opening because. It's just that score in the background, like that song playing. You can hear the hustle and bustle of this Boston bar. And all you hear right now first is the audio, this conversation happening between Jesse Eisenberg's Mark Zuckerberg character and uh, Rooney Mara's character as well. And they're just kind of this, this almost like Olympic battle of, conversation that they're having, this dialogue that Aaron Sorkin kind of delivers to you, you're, you're having trouble kind of keeping track of what's going on, but that's the way Fincher wanted to create the scene is, how does Mark Zuckerberg's mind work? It's working like six things at a time. And it's such a great opening because you're immediately introduced to this character, you're introduced to their relationship. And while they don't have to build on it too much later on, you get the gist of it. It's where less is more and it really prevails. And I just remember the music. I remember the color. I remember when the movie started, I was just in my seat, just kind of like, okay, let's do this.
1: Hmm. It's literally like a mile a minute they're both talking and again that just goes to show the mastery that is aaron sorkin who wrote the script and obviously david fincher who directed it it's like you're just dropped into that conversation and it's like it's game time you're just you're just locked in and for this movie has you by the throat for the rest of the movie after that
0: yeah exactly anthony what about yourself what's your next one
1: uh my next one is dark
2: knight
0: Oh, damn it. That was mine, but it's okay. You really you I really to have to come for Daniel's
1: there, eh? Yeah. You're you're coming for me. No, it's okay. I want, I I want to hear it, you talk. I saw it
2: before Daniel though, so that counts.
1: I don't think that's true though. <laughs> but it yeah, I'll true. let you I'll let you talk, Anthony. So I remember watching this
2: um, well I didn't even know it was an opening sequence. So it was it was a because I was older than you and I went to movies before you did. <laughs>
1: I'm, I watch it works, an opening right? night, though. <laughs> Is that how time works?
2: I well, I watched, I watched it before you watched it opening night because I was at the theater before you. And I remember seeing you and I'm like, fuck that guy. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> now, um, I remember watching this film back, or not the sequence back when I Am Legend came out. I went to um, yeah. Scotia back IMAX downtown, and I was like blown away. This was like I guess like a because we 2007? watched Batman two thousand seven. So Batman Begins came out. It was Christopher Nolan's like take on Batman. Yes, but now it was like he almost had free reign because it was at that time was you know Batman Begins wasn't putting Christopher Nolan on that pedestal of you know, this great director. So I re- like once we saw the sequence, it was like, man, this was crazy. Something that I never expected a Batman film to kind of root itself because it was so well orchestrated with the puzzle pieces of each character and what their purpose was in this sequence and how it was all played out that, you know what, like the Joker was going to leave at the end of this movie with or this end of the sequence with no one on his team. And it was just that IMAX feeling as well, because it was shot um, in IMAX for the first time. Like we've never seen a movie shot in IMAX. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was my, um, my second <laughs> it, movie. It was
1: your pick. Yeah. This, this was, uh this was first on my list. And for so many reasons, this movie, this, this set this sequence just sets the tone for the rest of the movie and it's absolutely just it's it's a movie that i'll, I'll just sometimes like obviously i watch this movie a lot but i'll just go and i'll just watch that opening sequence and just be like dumbstruck of how amazing it looks and i remember we went to go see it at the Cinesphere again last year um and it just again it's just it's just mind blowing how well put together it is it reminds me just very much like, cause it's that opening high sequence, very much heat inspired as Nolan was for it. But it's, it was like, if Batman begins kind of got the world's attention or got people looking at Batman again, the dark Knight again, to this day is one that people look at as in, this is how you do a movie like this. And obviously to this day, 12 years later, it's
0: still getting the accolades and the love that it deserves. So, what more could be said about it you know the sound of the the window breaking and the opening will never not scare me
1: yeah it's oh and like you feel it's like yeah. your bones breaking yeah
0: it's also it's one like of how the, do they
2: sh- even shoot that sequence seriously you got like that scene with a glass building with an imax camera the size of a truck yeah pulling towards a glass building and you don't see anything and it's just like it's
0: crazy it's one of the few movies that I actually opt to watch on Blu-ray instead of the digital copy, even though my digital copy is 4K, but my Blu-ray copy still changes the aspect ratio for IMAX. And I love those IMAX moments, and I really wish the digital versions of the movie did that as well. I don't know why they don't. But yeah, but it's just it's so cool that opening sequence just takes up my whole OLED display, and then when it goes back to its you know sixteen by nine that 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 uh, two by thirty five whatever it is, it's oh, it's just it's shocking. Hmm,
1: is it my turn again? Uh, I would be. Okay, so there's there's a lot of different places we could go here. Um, I'm going to go with. Mm, I'm gonna go with a dramatic one, and I'm gonna say the opening sequence of Inglorious Bastards. I knew you were gonna say that. That was literally my next one as well.
0: I, it's okay. I, we're I'm, literally
1: I'm taking four. we're taking each other's right. Um, Inglorious Bastards is a movie, obviously. That if you haven't seen it, this movie literally begins. It's it's World War II and Christoph Waltz is a character they call the, the Jew Hunter. And he is basically having a conversation with somebody in France about just what he's up to, what he does there and everything like that. And then the way this conversation is, you know you're, you're feeling uncomfortable and the guy he's talking to is feeling uncomfortable, but it's not until it's kind of revealed where the camera just starts slowly panning down between the floorboards And you see why this guy is so nervous and why he's so scared. It's because he's hiding uh, Jewish people in basically his basement or his crawl space. And he's trying to hide them from the Nazis. And once you figure that out, the whole conversation just takes a terrifying turn of just hoping and praying that like this guy doesn't figure out that they're hiding there. And then when you realize that he does know that they're there, that just that just heartbreak in that man's eyes, kind of having to point them out. It's never. It's a sequence that will forever be ingrained in my mind. The first time I saw it, and it's a sequence that I think till this day is one of the greatest opening scenes in a movie ever.
0: It's it definitely probably one of Tarantino's bests. It hooks you right in with that fur in the background, you kinda hear the piano nah, 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 nah. and it's just this 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 tension that's building. It's literally like you're grinding something and it's and it's like about to rip at any second and you have no idea when. And when it kicks in, oh it's it's very it's very scary. And I remember um, anytime I want to have someone watch this movie initially i tell them okay this is what the movie's about and they're not interested and then i'm like let me just show you the opening sequence as soon as they watch the opening sequence they're hooked yep
1: amazing
2: yeah it it just shows like how how good um tarantino's dialogue and how well written and how deep and intricate it could be and, and just a simple scene between two people can really get. Um, I love that scene. I love pretty much every Tarantino movie has this beautiful opening sequence, except I think Once Upon a Time didn't really have a opening sequence like in or Pulp Piction right? like, Yeah. Yeah. Not his traditional opening sequence. I even did the hateful. Yeah, the hateful eight even had an interesting opening sequence.
1: Did it? Yeah, with them all kind of in the carriage and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was more. uh, uh, Sequence was fantastic. Yeah,
1: they're all very iconic, you know. And again, like Paul Fiction, looking at all of his movies and and, um, uh, what am I thinking? Why am I blanking out the name right now of this movie? Oh my gosh, his first movie, Reservoir Dogs. (laughs) Reservoir Dogs, Dogs. like it's again, it's another one. Uh, it's like they're all iconic openings that, from the very moment they start, you're in it, you're ready, and you just want to see what comes next.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Shay, you're up to bat. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a different route here, um, and it's, it's a comedy actually, uh, and I'm gonna go with oh. American Pie. Ooh, tell us about it. American Pie has a very funny and interesting opening, and I obviously shouldn't have been watching this movie as a kid, but it starts off uh, with, I guess, every 90s teenager's uh, growing pains of trying to watch an adult film on your television through uh, illegal, I guess, not streaming at that time, but illegal channel manipulation. So, it's bad reception. He's trying to watch an adult movie, and he's got a sock there. So, you, you know, uh, you're going to kind of paint the picture here, but as he's about to go to town, his dad walks in, played by Eugene, the hilarious Eugene Levy. And then his mom walks in and they're trying to figure out what he's trying to watch on TV. And you can't really see that it's a porno, but then all of a sudden the audio starts kicking in and then Eugene Levy starts reacting to it. And it's just so funny because... And that movie, that whole series really, the you know first three films, they have such hilarious openings that kind of set the film off. And uh, that, that first one... Kills me all the time.
1: Great opening sequence. Yeah, and, and I think it's one of those things too that uh, not a lot of comedies get a lot of, like, it's not really remembered a lot of the times because like, we're always thinking about these either giant set pieces or these giant, like Tarantino's a genre of his own, but there's so many amazing opening sequences that are literally, like, just, just do an amazing job of just getting people involved right away. And like in it right away, and, and wanting to be part of this movie instantly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Anthony, what yeah. about you?
2: Is this our um, last round, by the way? Mine's gonna be a horror. What, what was it? Be a horror. Uh,
1: Is this our last so, round after the, uh, this round, or are we gonna do uh, one more round we'll, after
0: we'll, this? I guess we can make it three. I guess.
1: Cool. Yeah, this would be the third. Yeah, this will be the third one. So mine's
0: a horror.
2: So mine is the opening sequence to It Follows.
0: Ooh, okay. Do
2: you guys remember it?
0: I haven't I've watched never It seen Follows. It. But I but I've I You've never seen it. I know it's on Amazon Prime, so I, I definitely do want to watch it, but yeah, have not seen it yet.
2: So it's an interesting scene because you're in the suburbs and all of a sudden you see this girl run out of run out of the house and she's screaming. She's screaming for her life. And the camera just follows her, going back and forth, running back and forth. You don't, And, like, you don't know what the hell is happening. It just looks like a, this poor girl just screaming for her life. And it's just that suspense that it builds up. Because, again, it never the, the movie never really tells you what's happening and what's happening at that point in time. Does it reveal if someone is following her if it's not? Or it's just that for those – three or four minutes, something's happening that you can't see on screen that she does. And it builds the suspense and the, 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 the nervousness of watching this poor girl just become, we'll say, um, like vulnerable to the point where she can't do anything. She has no choice but to let whatever this thing is following her take over. It is a really, really good sequence. There's actually a New York Times um, article on the building of that scene and how the director kind of uh, directed uh, Mika Monroe to kind of play this character that's being chased by nothing. But it's just the eeriness of this, this suburb, and no one's, in, no one's around. It looks like it's taking place like early, early, early in the morning. But yeah, very cool.
1: I gotta watch it. We gotta watch it now. Daniel, yours. (laughs) It's a nice little pause there for you again. Uh, Finally, on my list for this week, uh, man, it's hard. I've I have a bunch here. Uh, The one I want to talk about is Indiana Jones. Uh, But I just want to give a quick shout out to Goodfellas, uh, Batman vs Superman, Inception. La La Land as well too. Like these are all movies that are on oh, the town. There's such like amazing opening scenes that I like we could go in depth about. We could do a part two of this one day, but I think when we're, when we're looking at Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially um, that movie just opens up with probably one of the most iconic movie moments of all time. And it's with Indiana Jones grabbing that golden idol off the pedestal and then being chased out of the cave or the tomb with a big ball behind him. And like I think when it comes to. Being iconic and known. I don't think there's something more well known. Than that scene. Uh, even if you haven't watched Indiana Jones. You kind of know of that scene. And it's kind of been replicated. And has so many parodies across all different animation. And TV shows and movies and stuff. Uh, and as an introduction to a character. It tells you all you need to know about Indiana Jones. He's he's a smart. He's charismatic. He's an archaeologist obviously and he's just very suave in the way that he does things and he's also very that he has like a quick wit in the sense of that he's just trying to figure out how we can steal this golden idol but also counterbalance it with this bag of sand so we could get out of there without dying in the booby traps and i think it's just such a it's just such a fun sequence and it's one that i just i just love watching it's so well done
0: that is a great sequence. Yeah, I had a bunch on my list that, you know, hopefully one day we'll kind of get the chance to go back and talk about. I'm sure, Anthony, I'm sure you had a bunch on your list as well. Um, but it is time now for our trivia. Ooh. yes. Yeah, so I do have a trivia question. Again, that would yeah. just want to so give right a So right now, huge... Anthony's winning right now. He is winning, yes. <laughs> one he, has, he has won nothing. Yeah. I want to see both your hands up in the air. And my, my question
2: now, question yeah. Before you go on, if we both get it right, what happens?
1: If you both get it right, well, we both get the point. So we're we're seeing who has the okay. most points at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. Now, okay, mine okay. mine is not gonna be multiple choice. Okay. It's just okay. I, I just need I just need the answer, and I am gonna preface this by saying that I'm looking for the official answer by the company and also by what we own. And I know that sounds a bit confusing, okay. but the question is related to James Bond. And my question okay. here is, can you tell me how many actual Bonds we have gotten? Like that we can actually, that we have in our list, that we have in our collection. Like of, how many Bond uh, actors? Out of, the or 20, out of the 25 Bond movies, how many James Bond yeah. actors have we gotten? Oh wow! So I was going to say you just told us, man, it's twenty five movies. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you guys ten seconds. Um, nine I want to say seven. You are going to say seven? Okay, Damon, I, What about yourself? I, I'm going to say eight. Eight. Can you guys name them? Because I actually here is the thing. I'll give you. I'll give you the right answer. The answer is actually six.
1: Oh wow! Damn it. I should have gotten under.
0: Yeah. So the answer is six. So no one no gets the
1: point this week. Obviously,
0: there are a lot of other James Bond actors that have done smaller films, but the, the ones that are actually recognized by, you know, I guess, Eon and by the James Bond wheelhouse are six of them. And that's George Lazenby, Sean Connery, awesome. Timothy Dalton, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. But awesome. There is Great a,
2: question. There is one before
0: there, that there, one, no? There have been. Dr. No, right? Yes, there have been other ones, but I in the 25 films, there have been only six.
2: So right. no one gets a point? Or is no. it whoever close, nope. was closest to?
1: No <laughs> one gets a point this week. No no one gets a point. <laughs> this is Price is Right rules. No, yeah. <laughs> If you're over, we're out.
0: Exactly. But that's All right, correct. that was awesome. Great yeah. question, Shay. No worries, no worries. Very timely. <laughs> Very timely. I know. I, I I wanted to make that that burn a little bit harder, you know. All right. But I'm glad that was that a great episode, guys. Yeah, I'm glad that we're back with, you know, a topic of the show and we had a great episode today. Uh, obviously thank you guys and thank you everyone who's still listening out there. I know that times are a bit rough right now with everything that's happening in the world. And on top of that, we also have this Weird internet version of our of our podcast, or we can't be beside each other, so that you can't hear our hugging as you could hear it before. The mics can't. We just up. hug every time we record. We only recorded with one mic, and we were all so close to it, like yeah. an acapella group um but of course (laughs) we do have our if you want to feel that way we have our game night commentary that's available on all podcast services so again when you start the podcast we do kind of give you a bit of a heads up as to when to start the movie and you can then join along with us uh game night is available on netflix if you're in canada in the united states i believe it's there too but you can probably find it somewhere else again this wednesday we are dropping the sicario commentary so keep your ears to the ground for that one uh i think that's what they say of course head on over to this time com slash talk and uh let us know how you're doing what you're watching and just you know chat with us because obviously we're all at home so there's a lot of things you probably have to say and that was this time with the movie podcast
2: and we'll see you next